Hello, and welcome to Sideways. This week, we're talking about rituals and how they can be both destructive and constructive. I wear a beret for Easter. Martin has new information about raising your pet as a vegan. We discuss how easily I would beat Paul McCartney in a sprint. And which albums are likely to have been the most popular historically for using as a surface to roll a joint. Thursday the 17th. Uh, uh, happy Easter. Yeah, happy Easter to you too. <laughs> it looks like you've got a, um, a hat on. Is that, is that a bit of CGI you've got going on there? Yeah, I've got, a, I thought as it was Easter, I'd wear a virtual beret. Has <laughs> <laughs> that got anything to do with Easter? Uh, no, I don't think so, but they didn't have any Easter bunnies or scenes of the, uh, of the, uh, of our Lord Jesus Christ rising from the dead. Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> I, I wanted, I wanted a background of the garden of Gethsemane. That would have been nice, but so a beret is as close as you could get. <laughs> I, well, I, I figured that if, if you couldn't have the garden of Gethsemane, probably yeah. the nearest thing to it was a beret. Yeah, well, uh, I don't see the connection, but I'll go with it. I, I can't be bothered to talk about it anymore. Okay. I'm going to, I can't remember how I got the beret. So if it's all right with you, I'm going to keep it on for the entire broadcast. <laughs> it's, it's a bit off putting, but I'll, I'll, I'll let it, I'll let it slide. Let me see. Actually, I might be able to sort it out. Just bear with me one second, caller. All right. So we're back. I'm back with you now, back in the room. Excellent. Well, this idea. Um, that I'm going to just uh, come on to in a second is one which uh, came up when we were having a, a sort of an unrelated discussion standing in your kitchen the other day. Is that right? So, uh, yeah, I can't remember what we were talking about. It's probably probably football or cricket or something like that. I suppose so, yeah. <laughs> I, but, and I can't remember what you were doing at the time, but you referred oh. to it as, as being somewhat ritualistic. Yes. That's what, and, that, and that led on to us saying, oh, we haven't actually done what on rituals, so here we are. I can remind you what I was doing if it's if you're if it's of any interest. Uh, margin marginally interesting. I, I was I was um, refreshing the starters for my sourdough bread. Ah, oh, right, okay. Something I, I would never understand, and quite frankly, can't be bothered to try and understand. But well, I think you <laughs> like said you- to me, you said to me later in the week. I can't remember what we were talking about, and I told you, and and you you showed no interest in knowing any more about <laughs> it at that point either. You you probably shut down, did you? Well, I'm just, I, I, this point is me expending emotional energy trying to explain it to you. When, when, when it's, you know, it's not going to land properly. No, I, I can, I can get I, I that. Suspe- I suspect this is one of the things that we're going to cover in, in, uh, in this, which is that the real value of rituals is to the individual. We, we might do. We might do. Uh, but what just if we before don't? we start, well, you can bring it up later on. Okay. All right. <laughs> but before we start. Yeah. And do you remember Helen from Australia who very kindly sent an email and it was regarding a friend of hers that was attempting to raise their cat as a vegan? It was an ex-partner, uh, I think. That oh, was it? Okay. Was raising his cat as a, as a vegan, yes, but I remember, yeah. Well, yeah. Which was, it just, it just so happened uh, a couple of weeks later, I was listening to the radio, in fact, it was Radio 2, and there was a discussion um, on the subject of raising animals on a vegan diet. Really? Um, yeah, and apparently research has shown that, that a dog's health can be- benefit significantly from being fed a vegan diet. So Helen's friend or ex, or whoever it was, was ahead of the curve in this matter. So, oh, I'll find that. I, 
I find that difficult to... Well, I thought so, but I just just had quickly had to annotate my notes this morning because I've been to the farmer's market (laughs) and there they had a a stall that was doing um, sort of homemade pet snacks and there was a vegan and there was a vegan option so there I, we go i get that i can understand that um vegan snacks for pets because i mean you know you can make your own for instance you can make your own dog biscuits with yeah uh i don't know spelt flour rice flour and pumpkin and stuff like that but I, as for a vegan a wholly vegan diet for dogs i don't know I, as i said before i'll have a word with daisy about it but i don't think she's gonna be very enthusiastic what about, what about nelly Nelly, she'll, well, at the moment she's in season. She's right round the twist. I think she'd have your arm <laughs> off, quite frankly. <laughs> when I was looking at veganism, because I quickly went on and had a little bit of research on that. It's a, apparently, you know, strict vegans don't, don't t- take honey either because it's no. an animal. Correct. Byproduct, which, which is, I mean, you don't slaughter bees, do you, when you're producing honey? I couldn't, I couldn't see the, 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 the issue there, but perhaps I... Someone will put me right on that. No, there is some, there's something, there's something else. I can't remember what the, someone will, someone will uh, write in and tell us. I can't remember yeah. what the relationship is with bees, but I think, think I'm right in saying that they avoid avocados as well. The avocados they- are not strictly vegan. I think that's right. All right. Because refined sugar comes under that, band, the same as honey. Don't take refined, mm. reject refined sugar. Yeah. You're going to need explaining to me, really. And, and um, beef burgers. Of course, yeah. <laughs> that one's reasonably straightforward, isn't it? <laughs> to understand. <laughs> yeah, I suppose so. Yeah. Oh no, it's it's a myth. Apparently, uh, avocados, almonds, and all other foods listed above were well, obviously you can't see the list above are perfectly fine to eat on a vegan diet. So right, okay. Avocados. Oh, yeah. Avocados are okay for a vegan. So if you're a vegan, you're worried about eating avocados. Don't worry about it. No, no message okay, to you on this Easter oh, morn. Well, well done you. I think we straightened that one out. Shall we get on to the, sub, the actual subject matter of, of rituals then? Yes, please. Because we recently did an episode on routines, um, yep. but there's a number of differences between rituals and routines. So I wanted to sort of clear that up before we start. I mean, some of them are a bit, a bit nuanced um, and some of them sort of feels like they cross over, but we're, we're, I just want to have a quick discussion on that. That's fine. Um, yeah, when I was researching the difference, um, it said rituals were basically like doing a, a daily prayer or a meditation, and a routine was things like going to work or preparing for bedtime. Um, and it was it, it, uh, there's other differences, but basically it was you know, rituals can uh, tend to break the boredom of a daily schedule, while routines contribute or can contribute to the boredom of a daily schedule. Yeah, I, I was when I think about this. I mean, again, you might be coming on to talk about this, and I know how arsey you get if I steal your thunder or pull you <laughs> somewhere else in your notes. But it seems to me that actually the two things that are particularly true of ritual is, or for me, one they're they're something you can kind of complete. You can do them from start to finish, which is quite different from. Um, you know, living many aspects of our lives, you know, life by its definition is a kind of constancy. Whereas the little ritual within them. So if I think of something like, I don't know, making a cup of coffee, I can begin it. I can go through the whole thing and then I can complete it as well. And there's something very satisfying about that. They're almost like um, you're creating time within time. You know, this is something that I'm doing, uh, 
regardless of anything else that's going on, I have control over it. I can complete it. There's something very kind of comforting about that, I think, which, which I think is different from routine. I think you're right. It's a meaningful activity, isn't it? Um, it is for me, yeah. I yeah. Like most I think, people. I think routines can be sort of performed without conscious thinking. Sometimes we go through a routine without, and we're thinking about something else, aren't we? Whereas yes. rituals, you tend to be very integrated into what you're doing. Yeah, and I think that's it, what makes them meditative, isn't it? It does really, but it requires, I think rituals require more of a, um, a careful focus and a presence of mind where routines sometimes don't, don't require that. Mm. I think oh, well, many rituals are harmless, aren't they? Like meditation or perhaps, you know, a daily walk. Um, but you th- if you throw an addictive substance into the equation there, it can be quite, it can be quite different and quite destructive. And it was that sort of thing I wanted to talk to you about. If that's, if you're, if you're up for that. Yeah, I'm up for that. But I, I was, when I was looking at the research on this, um, I was looking at how, how ritual was involved, particularly for those people that have addiction issues. Mm-hmm. Um, because uh, active addiction, um, which involves you know substance abuse as, as well as drinking, it's it can be incredibly ritualistic, yeah. and they tend to fall into three categories. Okay, uh, when, when we're looking at this, which again may be something you were you, you were going to talk about anyway. But there's a sort of a there's a, a prior to using ritual. There's a ritual during using, which again includes drinking, and the rituals after using. So there's, there's three three um, distinct areas there. I mean, most of the rituals that I've just talked about, those three, are, are often started by a trigger event that set, sets the ball rolling. Um, and some of this ritualized behavior is emotional. Um, you know, a drug or, or an alcohol abuser, um, and I, I sort of relate to this really, may purposely work themselves up into a bit of a state of anger or anxiety. So there's a reason to use. Right. So it's, there's almost the ritual going through that, getting to that point so that you can tick the box right I'm going to go and use now what was your the, what was how, how would you have described your ritual ritualistic behavior when you were drinking well I was going to say I mean if we look at those three categories so we look at it prior to yeah. using yeah um you know I, I don't know about you but I used to get I really started to buzz when there was a night out was in the offing yeah you know, like at the weekend you know it'd come along and I started to feel this this lift of um of excitement and it was, it was, it was ritualistic to get myself ready and, and, and get ready to go out and, and, and to get drunk. There was no, there's no two. So that's, that, about it. that, what, that, what that might, do. that would be a kind of part of the process that is probably shared by those who have a, a problem with substance and those who don't, yeah. because I recognize that as well. Yeah, so used to, used to uh, absolutely. Up. It was Friday night. Or it was Tuesday night and I'd be getting fizzed up about <laughs> going down the Albion. <laughs> well, down. yeah. I sort of mentioned the weekends, but um, you know, I, thought, I took it a stage further than that, really, because I'm a uh, mutual friend, Yem. Oh, yeah. Yem and I, we, we actually made up a special day to go out drinking on, which was um, uh, Thursday the 17th, right? So whenever that came about, it was a phrase we used to use all the time anyway. If people said, oh, you're going to get, can you get this done by a certain time? I said, yeah, yeah, I'll get that done by Thursday the 17th. Everything was Thursday the 17th. So we decided that was a, it was a, it was a day that we'd go out and get wrecked again. And so we, we added a new one in. Well, there's something ritualistic about that. 
But there is, yeah. Mm. I might call this episode Thursday the 17th. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it, it got extra spice because um, Yem's birthday fell on the 17th of February. Right. So if that fell on a Thursday as well, that was that was double bubble. Yeah, crikey. It was a wonder that you both managed to stay out of A&E on a day like that, wasn't it? It was very close on a lot of occasions. Um, but it was, I, I remember... You know that that, this, that that sort of buzz I used to get. That was when my drinking was heavy, but not not sort of problematic. And um, but when, when it did become problematic, you know, I, I had a, a whole different set of routines. And my my first one used to be like first thing in the morning, I'd have myself a, a vodka and orange, um, and it was sort of rich. I used to call it a mellow yellow in my own head. It was all on my own doing this, and I used to sing the little Donovan, Donovan song, the mellow yellow, as I was pouring it out. <laughs> <laughs> getting the mixture about right because I didn't want too much orange juice it's just to give it a little bit of oh that's, yeah, orange juice is good for you <laughs> in a half pint glass you'd have a tiny bit of orange on the top just to colour it and the rest was, was pure vodka so would you so so how soon after waking up would you have that straight away right yeah first yeah. first thing that was it because otherwise um, well no that was often sometimes I'd wake up and be sick first that was yeah. that tended to be the, the nice. routine if you like yeah. Yeah, um, you'd be sick first, and then you can start drinking because well, you're there you waste. Go. That's that's the, the there's there's a difference between routine and uh, ritual. Yeah, your routine behaviour was wake up, be sick, but the ritualistic part of it was yeah. making your vodka and orange and singing some Donovan <laughs> while you're doing <laughs> doing it. It, it. it just reminded me when I was putting these notes together. I suddenly thought, oh yeah, I remember that now. It suddenly came back to me. It's it's pretty fuzzy memories, but I thought, oh yeah, yeah, I remember that. It's, it's awful, really, when you think about it. Mm. But it was just just that ritual of putting the bits together in the glass started to make me feel calmer before I'd even... That's what what I mean. That's what I mean. When you're focusing on those little steps that you're taking, there's something something inherently joyful about that, regardless of where you're going to with it. I mean, obviously, some of it is the anticipation. But as you say, it's calming me down already. It's like like um, an emotional drug as well. It is. And I think most... uh, Any... Any person that's had issues with, with drugs will, will tell you, and this has come up in groups a number of times, that, you know, you start to feel better, you know, when, when you've tracked down your dealer, because that can be notoriously oh. difficult to get hold of. And, and uh, we actually go and pick up the drugs or score the drugs and, and get hold of them. That you, you start to feel better already. Mm-hmm. But even before, you know, I've watched, I've watched the ritual of cooking up heroin. You know, I've seen it happen. I know how to, you know, we've seen it being cooked up in a spoon prior to injection and or... Or you know, getting the foil together when you're chasing the dragon or chasing the, the bean or chasing the beetle, whichever ever way you want to put it. That's not chasing Paul McCartney or Ringo Starr. <laughs> They'd be pretty easy to catch these days, wouldn't they? <laughs> they, would, yeah, they would be quite slow. I reckon I'd be able to catch Paul McCartney. He must be in his 80s now, isn't he? <laughs> well, I don't suppose Ringo's far behind him either. In a three-way race, me, Paul McCartney, and Ringo Starr, I'd, I'd be backing myself. I'd put, I'd, I'd put you a, a cup if I was a gambling person, which obviously is not, uh, not an acceptable way of behaving these days. But yeah, I'd have a couple of quid on you. Thanks. There's not many sprints that I'd win, but that one I'd be pretty confident. Uh, no, well, should we line that up? Yeah, well, we can try, can't we? If, if either yeah. of them are listening and they, yeah. they fancy a race against me, I'm up for it. <laughs> I, think, I don't know if they live in Britain anymore. We may have to get I him think over McCartney from, does, doesn't he? Doesn't McCartney think, live yeah, down in Sussex? He did at one time. Hmm. Yeah. Anyway, there we are. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, we've gone off track slightly, yeah. Um, but an, another ritual, again, those people who have taken coke in the past, another ritual of racking up. You're racking up your, your cocaine, but putting it into a line prior to sniffing. All ritualistic. And yeah. again, it's, 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 it's um, 
as the feeling when you're doing that is as good, is, is almost as good as the drug itself. You, the you know, so it's it. the anticipation, the, yeah. the excitement. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I think some people have found the same, which um, things like, uh, you know, the ritual of going to people, go to a crack den, for example, to a crack house, which goes into the next bit really about, you know, what, what you do during it. But do you know some people will go, you probably, you've, you've known people that will, that will go into a pub that have probably got a drink problem. They sit in the same place every time. They go there, they'll have the certain, same amount of drinks. Yeah. I remember watching this documentary where this guy had, he ritually had, um, or routinely had, again, it depends which way you want to interpret this, he would have 12 pints, um, all, but he'd have it all in half pints. So he, right. would, he would, so he could drink them a bit quicker and it looked like if he only had half pint on there, it didn't look like he's drinking so much, even though he must, he must have spent all his time ordering. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but that was his routine, uh, and that was his. That was that was uh, that became ritualistic for him, or you know, having his own um, half pint jug behind the bar. It feels feels to me as if ritual is much more about a kind of process towards something that actually, in and of itself, is enjoyable. Tricky, like skinning up. Well, that, I mean, yeah, I mean, anyone that's ever skinned up. <laughs> A bit it must of a be most still. people, I should think, isn't it? Well, a lot of people have, have, have done that, haven't they? But it, it becomes quite an art form, doesn't it? Um, yeah. But that is very ritualistic about how you do that and how you, you know, put, put in your weed or your resin or whatever yeah. and, and your roach. And, um, you know, you could even, you'd even perhaps get up on the same LP yeah. cover that you have just tucked down the side of your chair or whatever. Yeah, and you, you t- most people tend to remember who it was that taught them to skin up, don't they? <laughs> they do, yeah. I think there's, it's almost like a, a passing on of the, of the knowledge, <laughs> which is not wisdom you really want. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's true. It's true. The point, point you make there about the album, because I can remember it was Pat Driver at college who taught me to skin up, and he always used to skin up on a Bloodwin Pig album. <laughs> <laughs> and that was which, it, wasn't quite it? Quite yeah. frankly, is the best use for a Bloodwin Pig album, in my uh, estimation. You, 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 well, uh, uh, I'd agree with you. You don't want to be taking the vinyl out and putting it on the turntable. It's terrible, but no. uh, yeah, as, as a platform for that, that sort of behaviour. Caravan, anyway, I, wanna... I imagine, would be a good album, a, car- a, a good caravan band to good. skin up on. Caravan, do you think? Probably or, would. Or Quind. I bet they've been skinned up on a lot. Perhaps we'd get a, we'd to talk to a few <laughs> record companies and see if they've got any any stats on that. <laughs> you know, if you on the on the uh, internet, you can find all sorts of sort of top fifties, top tens, top hundred, yeah. you know, best acts of all time. Yeah, I wonder yeah. what the ten most skinned up albums <laughs> on of all time are. <laughs> I don't know, but I think I'm, we're, we're getting very close to sort of glamorising it. And so I think we ought to, to to come away from that. I bet Dark Side Move of the on, Moon but, is one of them. But it is a ritual. It is a ritual. Now, the okay. rituals you go through again for people with addiction issues. The rituals you go through during. I remember, you know, for me it was I'd, I'd, I'd sit in the same chair. You'd have a favourite chair to sit in. Well, every day, uh, every day, um, and it would tend to be pretty much the same time. So you'd turn the TV on, and there'd be the same programs on. Um, you know, that's which is why that you know when you go to detox, they say when you get home, shift everything around because you don't want to be slipping back into those same habits that are going to be triggery. So, you you know, you move the furniture around and make it as different as you possibly can where you live when you come back from that new stuff. Tell me if this, tell me how you feel about this. Okay. Because what you're kind of sharing with us there about your typical day, the creation of the vodka and orange feels very ritualistic because you are obviously getting joy from that because you're because you're singing while you're doing it <laughs> but when you're into the right i'm sitting in the same chair i'm now watching the same television programs that now feels like 
routine. Yeah. I don't, yeah. Unless, unless I'm wrong, it doesn't sound as if you're getting any specific, you're not getting something specific from doing that. It's just what you do, right? Uh, yeah, it is, but it is the routine was sitting in the in the chair. But yeah, there's no way we're all end result to it. It's just making yourself comfortable. I suppose it's a bit like, you know, IV users, you know, they're ritually inject in the same place mm. until that pain collapses and they'll move on. But there'll be a ritual because they know they can do it and they can get in there and, and, and they'll and they'll do that. But isn't there you something know? something in in heroin users about the you know, I think I'm right in saying that that the the ritualistic aspect of all the paraphernalia is actually mm. very attractive, isn't it? For it, yeah, it is. Yeah, you know, which, it, which, which is why getting all your gear out before you get yeah. your gear in. Yeah, it exactly right. Yeah, it, it's just quite a process to go through. But I've seen, I've watched people do it and and see how their mood changes from you know when they start the whole ritual up. How does it change? What do you see? I mean, I know you know you. you I expect it's different different for everybody. When you're watching yeah. that in someone, yeah, what are you seeing happen in them, or what what are you perceiving? I see a mood change. I see a relaxation. What what? Oh right, okay. So same thing again, isn't it? It's like okay, this is what <laughs> it I is. do. I'm in my kind of safe, happy zone here. Mm. I'm beginning to relax. Yeah, it's moving from anxiety, yeah, to 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 a level of serenity. Mm-hmm. Um, a false serenity as it, as, as it, as it happens because it's, it's induced, it's chemically induced, but it is a, it's, it's a change in the, in, in the mood, certainly at that time. And then the process has to repeat again, which is why addiction issues creep in because it, you, you keep wanting to go through that and it does become very routine and very ritualized. Um, and it just embeds into your day. Yeah. So it's like, um, you know, other aspects of, uh, when you're moving out of addiction, when you're moving into recovery, this is, I think, perhaps one one of the reasons why having something else that is ritualistic but positive and healthy for you is quite exactly. a good thing to put in. It so, is. You know, making coffee is actually quite a simple, good one, isn't it? It's like a. It um, if you're grinding the beans and then measuring out your coffee and then putting the water in, I mean, there's all it's all the same sort of stuff, except it's unlikely to kill you. Exactly, and I'm getting ready for meditation. Yeah, um, settling down, finding if you if you're using YouTube, going on there, or your, or your VR headset, get on there, find out where you put your favourite meditation on. Are you sponsored by uh, <laughs> VR headsets? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I do thoroughly recommend them. In fact, someone else in group has just got hold of one, and they're saying how absolutely mind blowing it is. So, yeah, there we go. But yeah, so that's the second category. Really, that we've looked at prior looked at during and after it's a bit more tricky to pin down but ritually i mean a lot of people certainly people that take heroin who have this quick bars and then and then go to sleep the ritual is you know gouching out which is what they've achieved by Mm. taking heroin is to is to release themselves from society yeah which is you know going to sleep is is an addict's friend because Mm. you're not not worrying at that time yeah and i suppose you know and i've talked to other people about their rituals after drinking too much which included fighting <laughs> which is one of them yeah. or going for a, going for a kebab <laughs> or a curry um, or a curry um and, and and some of the time it ends up in sort of um, domestic abuse as well yeah you know when you when you're researching this you know the rituals after you know bouts of heavy drinking especially if if, if england lose or if the, or if the team they support lose then it, it tends to spike um uh, the domestic violence issue. So it's this sort of a ritual that happens afterwards as well. Yeah. A consequence of, of, of going through the first two stages of the ritual. Yeah. 
So that pretty much um, sums it up, really, as, as far as the differences between ritual and routines and how it manifests itself in the in the active addict, which is what I what I wanted to cover. And I hope I've, again, I hope I haven't glamorised it because there's nothing glamorous at all in anything of any of those rituals. They're awful. Well, no, I don't think we're glamorising it. Oh, I think we're we're recognise. I think it's important though to recognise that there is an attraction in the ritual because I think uh, if exactly. you don't recognise the attraction in the ritual then, okay, you might not be glamorising it, but also not being honest about it. You know, addiction issues are difficult to overcome for a reason. And, and obviously part of it is the physical um, uh, addiction that you create for the, your substance of choice, but also it's the, it's the emotional connection you make. And, you know, these rituals that are part of addictive behaviour are powerful. And I think if we were to say, oh, well, there's nothing really in that, then that's you know, disingenuous, isn't it? It is disingenuous. And I think that, um, you know, I'd go on to say that, you know, be, becoming aware of these rituals is a, is a big step towards a successful start in recovery. Can you start to break it down? You can start to deal with them. Yeah. Um, um, as part of your, your overall recovery process. Yeah. And you can also start to think about what you might like to replace them with. I can remember yeah. when I, I, I spoke about this recently, but when I used to do a, a lot of work with people um, helping them to stop smoking, used to have a conversation with people about, well, what are you going to put in the, because smoking is very much like punctuation for people. People do it as, oh, I've yeah. got a break now, right? I'll go and have a cigarette or, you know, I've finished that task. I'll go and have a cigarette or whatever it might be. I've had a stressful phone call. I'll go and have a cigarette. So I used to talk to people about what are you going to put in that space now? Um, and some people didn't need to put anything in there, but for some people that, that was kind of an important component of leaving cigarettes behind. And I think there's, something in what we're talking about this morning around uh, considering what you might want to put in place to replace some of those rituals that you did genuinely uh, enjoy and, and, yeah. and, you know, felt gave you something. So uh, if you take up sourdough baking then you can put refreshing your starters in there, can't you? <laughs> you could do. I mean, that's that, that which is, is one good option. I'm sure. <laughs> Yeah, and you end up with some nice bread at the end of it as well. Sure. Yeah, yeah. No, I think it is. It is once you become aware of these rituals, you can intervene, can't you, and uh, and break them up and and uh, and the replacement, as you were talking about. I think is a, a very important part of recovery. Yeah, ritual can also be part of superstition, can't it? Because I can remember uh, when I used to have a season ticket for West Ham. I think I'm allowed to talk about West Ham in this context because it is okay. relevant. Okay. I used to. I used to. Uh, never be able to drink out of my West Ham mug in the morning because I always thought that would give uh, give the team bad luck. It's crazy, isn't it? How, how you think? I mean, a lot of lot of footballers are they're steeped in ritual, aren't they? Yeah, you know they have the, they put their shin pads on at the, at the at a certain time in their process of getting out onto the pitch and going out with their shirt off or their shirt on or yeah. a certain a certain place in the lineup. All very ritualistic and yeah. superstitious, and, yeah, makes, I think super and doesn't make a blind bit of difference. It doesn't matter, none at all, but um, it, it, it's a level of comfort. And I suppose, you know, if you look at the rituals that are followed by, you know, the churches or the Freemasons, they've all, they're all ritualistic in a way of, um, um, of giving some, some level of comfort. It is. It's about mitigating anxiety and giving the illusion of control and constancy where none exactly. exists. Exactly, exactly. You know, they're, exactly. They're, they're markers, aren't they, in a life of disparate experience. They are, it's, it's, do you know what? It's almost as if you've written a couple of notes this week. I don't know if that's true, but if that's just off the top of your head. But that was, that one was off the top of my head. I did write a couple of notes because I didn't I didn't want you to get after me on um, 
uh, bands that I like that I don't have any music of. Oh, you good. had a little, you had a little jab at me in the week. Round, <laughs> have you got a band for this week, or is it someone else that no one's going to have heard of? I thought, okay, yeah, that's a little bit of a bit of a jibe, wasn't it? Really? Was it a little bit passive aggressive? It was. Well, it wasn't a little bit passive aggressive. It was very <laughs> passive aggressive. <laughs> oh, I thought we were just having a genuine conversation. I wasn't sort of goading you, but no. I quite like the fact that it's um is 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 prompted a bit of a bit of a reaction. To be honest, yeah. Well, you know, I some I'm more sensitive than you think sometimes. <laughs> you got to cry myself little... to sleep that night. <laughs> you are a d- delicate little flower. Bless your heart. I am, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, we we we'll get on to that in a minute. But um, when we I was looking at ways of you know you've talked about replacement for these rituals. Um, one of the things that came up in the research is just about the use of mindfulness, perhaps, also as a way to disrupt the rituals by, you know, slowing down the time between the feelings or, and, and the thoughts and, and the actual action you take take out, um, which is very important in recovery, giving yourself space, especially if, you, if you've been triggered, so giving yourself space and time before you actually go and do the dirty deed. Yeah, I, I, it's a good idea because stuff like mindfulness, that, that having a mindfulness practice is ritualistic. It is, isn't it? I bet that people who um, have a mindfulness practice will find that as they are preparing for it, they start to calm down, which is the yeah. you know, the point we were making earlier. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's that's true. Um, so that really leads me on to um, well, the gratitude list, really. Okay, what what have you got for this this week? Well, you go first this week because well, I, just, I always I've, seem to go first. Okay, well, I've just got down lighter evenings. Um, that's nice. And it, it may have, I don't think we've had that in the past, but if, it doesn't matter if we put the same thing on twice on a gratitude list, but it just, it struck me yesterday, I think, where, you know, I don't have to pull the curtains so early on and, you know, put the light on. It makes me feel better. Yeah. I, I, I like, and, and it, it is coming, you know, we're sort of, you know, moving into, you know, spring, um, or we've moved into spring, you know, towards summer and it's, and I feel better generally. So I'm, I'm grateful when the, the, the long, dark winter nights are over. Yep, I bet there'll be a lot of people listening saying amen to that one. Uh, well, I've got this week. I've got some um, reliable tradesmen. Oh, now then, that's that's that sounds good. I know I'd, I'd be grateful if I employed a, a, a reliable tradesman. Yeah, well, this week I've had me um, my front door uh, painted and the okay. porch right, and yeah. and the yeah. back bifold bifold doors uh, restained because they were all a bit of a mess. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. Uh, the person I employed to do it was very reliable. Turned up on time. Every did day, a very, did a very neat job, very, uh, very good job. Cleared up after, after himself. Uh, it took him as long as he said it was going to. I do have just a couple of little, just a, li- a couple of little nitpicky bits. Okay, okay. Generally speaking, if you had someone in your house working, you wouldn't expect them when y- your veg box delivery arrived. <laughs> you wouldn't expect them to write hippie box on it, would you? I mean, that that, that was the first thing, and then the okay. other thing that. So I thought that was a bit odd. Was I had yeah. um, the the remnants of a bottle uh, of of a um, a little box of Peronis in my kitchen? Oh yeah, yeah. And this particular tradesman had written on the box "Devil's Jizz." <laughs> <laughs> so I, well, don't, I, I, I don't know. What do you think about that? Well, I think that uh, you've, you've you've got a, a very top quality tradesman doing doing stuff for you there, mate. And I think the fact that they've um, helped you out by. Uh, labeling some of your bits and pieces in your kitchen. I, I, I like that guy. 
the worst of it was I was plying him with coffee and hot cross buns all week. And yeah. that's the way yeah. he repaid me by, you know, writing obscenities on my possessions. <laughs> Desecrating I mean, I don't your, know what your the, bloggings. I don't know what the veg box delivery man's going to think when <laughs> he collects the box. Because, you know, you recycle the boxes every week and it's got hippie box written all over it. <laughs> It's embarrassing, quite frankly. It, well, it is, and I've, um, you know, I'll, I'll confess that it, it was me that was the tradesman, and, and it was me that put those little, uh, uh, little, little remarks on your belongings. Yeah. So, so I'll have to. I'm going to be thinking twice before I use him again. <laughs> anyway, so that's what I'm grateful for. Well, I, t- I, I can. I'm going to go into Spotify search. It's a very quick one here. Um, it's it's a track by the Smiths, which I'm very oh, pleased to get a get a shoehorn really? a bit of the Smiths in. It's called the Headmaster Ritual. Um, which oh. is all about uh, it's all it's all about the sadistic headmasters in the uh, schools in Manchester in the eighties, um, but it, it came off of uh, the the album it came from was is uh, Meat Is Murder, so it sort of goes back into what we're talking about at the start of this about veganism as well. So, oh, so you've, it, Crocky, you've created a callback this week. I have, yeah, oh yeah, wow, yeah. that's quite that's quite advanced. Well done. I think it is. I think it is. So I was Shame you have to that. involve Morrissey, but still, there we go. <laughs> Um, okay, so bands we like but have never purchased any of their material. All right. Am I going first? Yeah. I'm quite pleased with this one, I am. Okay. Elvis Costello. Yeah, oh, yeah. No, I have got... To, uh, do you know what? Do, do we include... I think I've got the best of. Is that... That's, that's well, I don't still, think you can include that. It's like, it's not really investigating the artist, is it? It isn't, no. And in fact, I on agree. the back of that, I've got another suggestion after after you tell me what yours is this week. So we'll come okay. back to that in a second if we may. Okay, yeah. We need to we need to tie this down a bit. It's evolving, right. isn't it, this particular I category? It, I think it is, yeah. Go on. Yeah. You, who have you gone for? Uh, Journey, Beth Hart. is it? And now I've got Beth Hart. Oh, Beth Hart. Okay. Yeah, well, I was, I was sort of transfixed. I saw her at uh, the Rambling Man Festival. She was on the blues stage. And didn't really know much about her. And I, I was just transfixed. And I thought, this is, she's, she's just, just fantastic. She's um, very good. But I've never bothered to buy any of her stuff, which is sad, really. Okay, so here's my suggestion. Okay. So we're going through week by week, recognising, actually having to do a little bit of work to try and work out, oh, <laughs> there's someone that I really like that I haven't got any material by. Yeah. Um, I'm not suggesting you go out and buy albums by these people, but what I think we should do is when you select an artist... I yeah. think we should then, the following week, you should select an album and listen to that album and uh, and then report back the following week. So I'm going to listen to, I don't know, I'll probably Oliver's Army or something by uh, by Elvis Costello this week. Okay. And then next week, I'm going to be able to report back as to whether uh, my kind of liking for him has stood the test of time and whether it was a big miss that I didn't buy any of his material. Oh, uh, it's extra homework, mate. Well, you don't mind that, do you? You like a bit of homework. Not really. Not really. Oh, I can just pop on Spotify, listen to an album by Beth Hart, and away we go. But only an album, not a a playlist, because, you know, I'm trying to to move back towards listening to the entirety of a body of work. I think that's the right way to go as well. Mm. It's ritualistic. It is real. That's it. We've started our own ritual. <laughs> and uh, it's, it's, it's quite ritualistic recording this on a Sunday morning. Exactly. I don't yeah. see it as a routine. I see it as a ritual. Yeah. I don't get excited before we do it, though. Don't you? I do. I'm, <laughs> I'm bang up for it. I buzz. <laughs> Actually, I probably got a bit excited this morning because that's probably because I've had a bit of chocolate this morning because it is a ah. Sunday, isn't it? Uh, anyway, else is a ritual. Uh, I did a, um, an Easter egg hunt for the children today, or both in their 20s. 
that we've Did done. Or we do it every single year and have done ever since they were small. Uh, that's a lovely ritual. It is, isn't it? I don't know if they like it, but I do. They're probably all hung over, <laughs> trying all these bloody <laughs> eggs that they don't want. They don't fancy eating. <laughs> uh, anyway, all right. Enjoy your Easter day. I will, and and you. See you later. Take it easy. Bye. Bye. Sideways was created by Graham Landy and Martin Pankhurst. If you want to read more about our work or sort through the extensive archive of past episodes, just visit grahamlandywellbeing.co.uk forward slash sideways podcast. You can follow us on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram at Sideways Podcast. And you can email us if you have a question or if there's something you'd like us to cover. But most of all, we want to tell you how grateful we are that you come and listen. And we ask that if you've enjoyed what you've heard, that you spread the word. And we'll see you next week. <laughs>